All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into the May 23rd edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tyler Yeramchuk and Frank Saravalli with you live in studio. What a time to be alive, Frank. Love it. In the YEG for the yeah. Battle of Alberta. Great to be at uh, Daily Faceoff Nation Network headquarters and uh, love to do it in person as opposed to 2,000 miles apart virtually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you're in Edmonton for the Battle of Alberta. You're in Calgary as well. Uh, your thoughts since you're in my city on the vibe of Edmonton around playoff time? Well, first off, everyone's drying out. And I love that yeah. it's the Canadian tradition in the playoffs where, you know, everyone gets all hyped up and then the next day they all try and sober up and you just kind of do this on repeat all the way throughout the spring. And it's a perfect little rhythm to be in. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with the fact that the Edmonton Oilers now have a 2-1 series lead in the Battle of Alberta. And there's plenty of ways we could probably go with this. Mike Smith was outstanding. I know Rasmus Anderson says they were beaten by one player. I don't get that vibe. I think there are multiple players stepping up for the Edmonton Oilers right now. In specific, that top line, which the Flames just don't have an answer for. Yeah, I wrote about it this morning on dailyfaceoff.com. The three-headed monster that's actually together by accident. You take a look at the playoff scoring leaders. They've got Connor McDavid down the middle, flanked by Leon Dreisaitl on the left and Evander Kane on the right. Those three players have combined for 55 points in 10 games. It's insane. And the fact that they're together, as I said, by accident, you know, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid probably aren't together if Dreisaitl's healthy. The Oilers probably opt to go with a lineup that's much more balanced. And instead, they have this three-headed monster, triple threat, super line, 
maybe one of the best lines that we've ever seen with the way that McDavid and Dreisaitl are playing at this point. Dreisaitl, 19 points in 10 games, and he's doing it basically on one leg. Kane, the natural hat trick on Sunday. Big moment for him in the series because he was really quiet through the first two games. And now you have this, this vaunted line that has forced the Flames to change the way that they play. And so the Oilers dictated the pace, a team that really struggled to get good starts in these playoffs, seven out of their nine playoff games, not very good in the first period. And they're in a spot now where how do you stop this line? It's not one player. It's not just Connor McDavid. The dimes that Leon Dreisaitl was dropping on Evander Kane's stick. I mean, you know, not to knock anything that Evander Kane did in that game, natural hat trick. I mean, I, I think you or I could have scored some of them with the way that Drysaddle and McDavid had set him up. That trio, I credit to Zach Lang who dug this up. That trio combines for 55 points so far in the playoffs, like you said, in 10 games. The last time a trio did that, 1988, and it was also the Edmonton Oilers led by Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, and what we're seeing from McDavid, it, it's we're turning back the clock, not just on the production value. You take a look at runs by Wayne Gretzky, 1983 and 85. Those are the only two times in NHL history that a player has had more points per game than McDavid's 2.3 through the first 10 games of the playoffs. And not only that, but it's also in this current era as well that those stats are amazingly impressive. 23 points in 10 games. Connor McDavid would have led the playoffs in scoring in 2003, 2007, 11, 12, 15, and 17. All of those years by one guy, and we've only played barely half of round two. <laughs> it, it, it is wild, and uh, that line has been productive. Also, I mean, you mentioned the hot start for the Oilers. That was something they really haven't done a lot in this playoffs. A lot of credit for that, in my opinion, goes to that Nugent Hopkins line as well, who's done a great job driving play and getting pucks into the Calgary zone. Uh, Let's shift focus to the other side of this battle and the Calgary Flames, where Jacob Markstrom was yanked. It's not been a good series for him. And in game one, it looked like Edmonton wouldn't be able to keep up with the Flames. And now, I mean, if you're a Flames fan, you're sitting there going, how can we adjust? Well, the Flames are questioning everything about themselves at this point. They're questioning their approach. They got away from their game. As I mentioned, they had to sit back essentially in or they chose to sit back a little bit in a soft forecheck mm-hmm. out of deference for that McDavid line and what they've been able to do the way that they've dominated at even strength. The Flames were so good at even strength in game one. It's been their calling called calling card all along that it was kind of shocking or jarring in a way to see them so far off their game. And then you've got the question in net. Mike Smith it was a shame his shutout bid was ended by essentially the concussion yeah. spotter being pulled um, to get analyzed after Milan Lucic crashed into him uh, with 11 minutes to go. But take a look at Jacob Markstrom's numbers. Do you think at all he's regretting not signing huh. with the Oilers? Because here are Jacob Markstrom's numbers since he joined the Calgary Flames just against the Edmonton Oilers. 877 save percentage against the Oilers in those 16 games. Not only that, but his numbers against the rest of the league are like 920 something. Every other team except the Oilers. At what point does that become a thing for the Flames if it isn't already? Yeah, it and, probably is. <laughs> and an admission from Daryl Sutter, even though Jacob Markstrom played fine in the first period, might have been seven, eight, nothing if he's not in net. That's mm-hmm. how well the Oilers were playing. That by the time Daryl Sutter pulled him, it was almost like, well, yeah, like, look, Markstrom has not been great and we need to deal with this. 
Yeah. Um, and honestly, like a few of those goals last night, like, I mean, they're backdoor two-on-ones with some of the best players in the world. And I thought even in the first period, when you look at the fact the Oilers had 20 shot attempts, Markstrom was the only reason that game wasn't two or three nothing after the opening 20, right? So he holds them in for as long as he can. And then when the dam opens up, it kind of goes. And for the Flames, yeah, like you're probably going to need a vintage Jacob Markstrom performance at some time. But like you said, go back through the battles of Alberta since Markstrom joined it hasn't been good in the regular season against the Oilers as a flame. He's an 884 save percentage. So it's weird to say, like, I'm usually not a believer in, oh, they have his number. But it looks like that right now. In this province, all you're measured by, <laughs> talk to the guys in the 80s, was how they played against yeah. the Oilers or the Flames in this Battle of Alberta. The Flames and Markstrom have really struggled the last number of days. Mm-hmm. McDavid has taken his game to the next level. And now the Oilers, this is where we're going to learn about them. It's it's not only cup check time for the Flames yeah. in game four to see whether they can get back to their game, but also for the Oilers too. Show some signs of maturity here. You had a two-to-one series lead against the Kings. You had a chance to put a skate to their throat. Game four, it's going to be wild in Edmonton, but they've got a lot of work to do in order to get that three-to-one series lead. Let's head out east and take a look at the Rangers hurricane series, which today on the DFO rundown, Jason Gregor, Gregor had a funny line from his son who said, dad, can we turn off this game? It's boring. Nothing's happening. Uh, it, it's been low scoring affairs between the Rangers and hurricanes. And a big reason why has been the play of Igor Shesterkin. Save percentages of 923, 952 and 977 in three games. The Canes, as you can see at the bottom, they can't win on the road. I would also say if the Rangers get their scoring going, this might be their series to lose with the way Igor's playing. Yeah. Um, Shesterkin has been back to that same yeah. Bezina level, potential heart conversation and finalist level. Yeah. Um, and that's great news for the Rangers. They probably you know, should have won at least one of those games in Carolina, who, as we mentioned, has remained perfect at home. Mm-hmm. Can't win on the road. They're going to have to figure it out. They would have home ice advantage, not just to finish out this series, but also in round three, if the Tampa Bay Lightning are able to pull off their uh, win over the Florida Panthers. And we'll get to that series in a moment with George Richards yeah. in our All-32 segment. But to see the Rangers and where they're at, the interesting part is they could use still more from their stars. You know, yeah. want to see more from Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad. They showed it really in the end of that series against the Penguins when it mattered most that they're able to step their game up to that level, but they haven't really done that in the first few games of the series to the point where they've overwhelmed the Hurricanes. They have the star power. The Canes don't, and it yet it hasn't really played out that way. And if you're the Canes, I mean, if you want to be optimistic about them, you could sit there and say, hey, we're up 2-1 in the series. And Chesterkin has been unbelievable. And if you look back to what he did in round one, you know, he started slow and then got hot. If I'm, if I'm a Canes fan, maybe I'm saying, hey, let's just keep with the same thing here. Eventually, we will grind down this team. And you mentioned the Rangers stars being quiet. Maybe that's a product of the Canes just playing them very well as well. Yeah, I think that's part of it. They're consistent in their approach. They're militant. They really don't deviate from it. We talked about the Flames and and how surprising it was to see them get away from their game. We haven't seen that yet from the Canes, which is probably a really good sign for Rod Brindamore. Yeah, they're they're coached very well. That's an interesting comparison between them and Calgary as well because, I mean, this Carolina team, they've been consistent over the last few years, right? It's always kind of the same game night 
after night. And it's interesting. The Rangers need more from their stars. For the Canes, you're probably looking for someone lower in that lineup. Like you got from Max Domi in game seven against Boston. You're going to need an unsung hero at some point. That's usually the way it goes for them. Yeah, I love that Domi acquisition, by the way. Getting him for basically free 99 at 259 of the deadline. Uh, Speaking of star players that have been quiet, Blues abs tonight. Colorado has a chance to go up 2-1 in this series, despite the fact that Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon haven't scored yet. I mean, when you look at the numbers those two guys put up in the first round and compare it to what you're seeing on the screen right now, um, I'm amazed that St. Louis has found a way to shut these two guys down. And if you would have showed me this board before the series, I likely would have looked at it and said, I bet you the Blues are in the lead in this best of seven. They're not. They're down 2-1. Is it just a matter of time until these abs superstars get going, Frank? Or has St. Louis found a way to shut them down somehow? No, I think it's just a matter of time. You watch game three and and McCarr really seemed to be back to getting a little bit more space and some time and, and having the opportunity to generate a little bit more. They didn't go in, but now here's where it gets really interesting for the blues because Jordan Bennington's out. We know that they said over the weekend, he's out for the remainder of this series, at least with a suspected knee injury following that collision with Nazem Kadri. That was controversial. Um, and now you're looking moving forward, you go back to Vili Huso, your game one starter, the guy who was better for you in the regular season. But to me, Tyler, watching game three, he just looked a little bit awestruck at yeah. the moment. How does he handle the magnitude of this situation against an avalanche team with an offense that comes at you in waves and doesn't give you an opportunity to wade into the game to try and figure it out and feel your way through it? So I'd expect the abs to really you know, find a way to turn it on. I've been so impressed. And we talked last week about the blues and the job that they did changing their game a little bit to better suit this matchup against the abs. They were relentless in terms of trying to cut down shots. Uh, Jordan Bennington had kept the minute in some big moments. The blues, where's that depth scoring? Where yeah. are those nine 20 goal scorers that uh, are in a spot to contribute? You know, you'd expect some of those guys to continue to step up. It's a really big moment in this series uh, for the St. Louis Blues. You go down three to one against the Abs, and you're in a really tough spot. You're in a very, very tough spot. You mentioned, I remember in our playoff preview, Matt Larkin described the Blues as a paper tiger, right? As, and part of the reason why is because he said they can't prevent scoring chances. They allow a lot, a lot of looks on their two goalies. And when you wa- looked at game one, 49 shots against it, five on five. And then somehow they find a way to turn that around. Just 27 against in game two and only 24 against in game three. Like the Blues, it, it's weird that goaltending is now a part of this conversation with Huso having to be the guy for them. Because I thought, if anything, it would be their defensive game that sunk them. But if anything, that's one of the reasons they were able to steal a game. Yeah. And look, it, the abs, you don't get any breaks. So you try and slow them down. But um, in this case, you know, I don't think you can keep those guys like McKinnon and McCarr off the score sheet for, you know, the yeah. rest of, of this series, you know, to get through three games, probably kind of a little bit of a minor miracle. Yeah. But uh, wow, it's uh, still definitely surprised to see those guys without any goals. And, and you mentioned the Blues, too. And while the Avs usually do it with their superstars, it's the Blues who've done it all year with their depth, right? A top nine that when you looked at it at points in the year. Vlad Tarasenko had a tremendous bounce back season. He spent time on the third line this season, right? Like the Blues depth has been unreal. And Barube's done a good job throughout the season of seemingly always pushing the right buttons, knowing when to elevate guys, knowing when to throw a new look in there. I wonder if it's maybe time for him again to 
go to a bit of a blender here and see if he can spark something. Well, he did that heading into game two. If you take a look at their lineup and, and check out our, our lineup tools on dailyfaceoff.com, Pavel Buchnevich, Robert Thomas, Vladimir Tarasenko, he took that line that was together and was money mm-hmm. for such a large stretch of the season and said, you know what? We're going to sprinkle those guys on three different lines. And he's had the magic touch this year, the golden touch, if you will, for the Blues. And we'll see what they can cook up for game four to try and slow down this abs team. Just waiting to get set up with our friend George Richards here in just a second as we keep chatting a little. What do you, uh, you think of the Kadri? Yeah, okay. Well, we can dig into that. Okay, the Kadri collision, I thought you made it again to go back to the rundown. An excellent point of... If it was JT Comfer, we're not talking about it today. Right. And and you look at, you know, I, I get, you know, the response from the Blues. What else are they going to say? You know, oh, oh it's, it's Kadri reputation speaks for itself. Yeah. Like, if he wanted to, to run over Jordan Bennington, he would have. And in this case, you know, yes, is it a collision? It's a hockey play. And to me, you know what the truest test is, Tyler? Tyler, uh, Mike McKenna wrote about this on dailyfaceoff.com. He said, yeah. I'm, uh, he's a goalie. <laughs> he's taking, he's playing the goalie union card every time. And in this case, he was like, there's, there's nothing to this play. The department of player safety agrees, obviously no hearing. Um, you know, I talked to some other goaltenders, Brian Boucher is out here in Edmonton covering mm-hmm. the, the, the series. And, and, and he's like, no, there's nothing. Yeah. This is just a, a freak happenstance for Jordan Bennington. You hate to see a guy knocked out of a series like that, especially such a pivotal player for a team, but such is life. These are the playoffs. You grind on. It happens. All right, let's get into another edition of the All-32 with our friend George Richards from Florida. Always a pleasure to be joined by our friend George Richards from FloridaHockeyNow.com. George, thanks for giving us some time today. All 32, as always, delivered by our friends at DoorDash. And I playoffs are always unpredictable, but I absolutely did not see the Florida Panthers being in a 3 nothing hole to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So take us through what's happened here. What, what have the Panthers done or not done, I should say, that's, that, that's put them in this spot? Yeah, I, I think when the schedule came out and you saw this back-to-back, right, game three and four, you didn't think it was going to be an elimination game on either side. So, um, and, and to see the Panthers be on the, the sweep side of things is a little surprising considering the season they had. Listen, we thought after Florida survived Washington and, and won the final three games of that series that the Panthers were going to put all their problems aside and, and really start going, um, and they haven't. Uh, they can't beat Andre Vasilevsky. They can't get any shots through uh, Tampa Bay's uh, blocking techniques. And uh, their best players just haven't shown up. So uh, this is an extremely disappointing uh, series for the Florida Panthers. They have at least one more game left um, in this season. Um, we'll see what they do tonight. But, uh, I mean, yeah, who knows? George, when you, you look at how this is all unfolded, I think, you know, probably the keys to the series, you'd say, hey, Sergei Bobrovsky needs to be pretty serviceable. He has been probably not the issue for the Panthers. And, you know, you look, you say, hey, their power play, 0 for 25 to start. They needed to get rolling. It's looked a lot better. What other ways can the Panthers try and generate offense to get through to get more than one goal past Vasilevsky? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they, they obviously have gotten in a lot of opportunities. I think yesterday, Sunday was a great example of that. They had a number of good chances. They had pucks rolling across the goal line. They had point-blank shots from Jonathan Huberdeau that get knocked out of the air with a, with a stick. Um, they obviously have had their chances. And then in the third period, it looked like they really weren't all that invested. And, and that was surprising. Uh, when you're down 3-1 in a must-win game um, and, and you're not bringing it the, the entire time, I, I think that's what really disappointed Coach Andrew Burnett was – the Tampa Bay Lightning are the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and they are playing like the desperate team. They are playing like they're down 0-2. Uh, the Florida Panthers just seem to be, uh, you know, jumping in. Hey, another game. Let's see what happens. Um, they, they, they've talked a good game. You know, they're saying all the right things. They're just not doing it. So when you look at that and, and really how – much the Panthers have built to this moment in the playoffs and, and have added pieces and have really been aggressive to try and take advantage of this year. You know, what, what is the reaction in South Florida? What, you know, from the fan base, from the group about where this team stands at the moment, given all the expectations heading into the season? Well, most of South Florida has probably already moved on after they lost game two. <clears throat> you know, everybody's watching the heat now. And, and that's just the nature of South Florida. Um, the Panthers, um, you know, need to get back into this series tonight. They, this is a team that went all in, right? I mean, Claude, uh, uh, Bill Zito trading a bunch of draft picks. He gets Claude Giroux. You get Ben Chirot. You get you get these guys coming in here. Um, and the Panthers are going to be in a little bit of salary cap problem next year. So this was the year that they really had to go for. Next year, you got the Keith Yandel money uh, really jumping up the buyout money. You've got a raise coming to, to uh, Sasha Barkov and Kurt Verhage. So the Florida Panthers, this was the year to really go for it. And here they sit. And it's just not a good situation right now. So, um, you know, the Panthers are obviously in big, big trouble. And, uh, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see what happens because Bill Zito really has his work cut out for him this offseason and always did. But if you're able to go deep into the playoffs, you know, you, you can deal with that a little bit. Now, I, you know, it's going to be a little rough sledding. Uh, just quickly before we let you go, expecting any lineup changes for the Panthers tonight or is it still too early to tell? Too early to tell. I would I would be surprised if Joe Thornton's not in there, right? I mean, Andrew Burnett's been saying he's been wanting to get him into a game. Well, you, know, you got this is one left. Um, he's a guy that you know knows what it's like to be you know to to, to be in a three zero series. He was obviously with San Jose when they blew that three game lead on on LA, and I, I you know I, you you would think that maybe his veteran presence would help at least play some fourth line minutes. I mean, what what's what's it going to hurt? Um, I would expect Sergey Bob, Bobrovsky to be in there if he wants to play on a back to back. He's earned that right, um, and I think the Panthers aren't going to change that, but we'll have to see. Would certainly be nice if we got a little bit of drama from the Battle of Al Flor a Battle of Florida, but I suppose we will yeah. find out. George, as always, fantastic stuff. Appreciate your time. If you want to read more of his work, make sure you head over to FloridaHockeyNow.com. All 32, as always, delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Promo codes at the bottom of the screen. And maybe if you're a Panthers fan, you want to drown your sorrows in a little takeout tonight while you watch uh, while you watch Game Four. DFODD, DFODD. U.S. gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. George, enjoy the, enjoy the game tonight. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.
All right, Frank, let's get into our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag ask DFO and a couple of goalie hits or hits on goalies over the weekend here. One with Lucic running over Take Mike Smith. Winning. Yeah. And one with Nazem Kadri running over Jordan Binnington. We know there we now know there will not be any supplemental discipline for either of these two players. Right or wrong call? Right on both. Um, when you look at the Milan Lucic one specifically, come on. You know, Daryl Sutter said it best. Like if if he wanted to take a run and mm-hmm. charge Mike Smith and put him through the boards, he would have. And in this case, he definitely tried to slow up. I don't think Smith was expecting the contact at all. Mm-hmm. Even though you venture out of your crease, that's certainly the possibility. I just think the right call was made in the time, though, just for pure game management yes. perspective. Things had started to heat up. The game had gotten away from the flames. Tensions are rising a bit. The building is on fire. And you just say, you know what? We're going to take Milan Lucic. Give him the old game misconduct, five-minute major. You know, Take a seat for the last 11 minutes of the third period. And you know, that's it. That's your punishment. Yeah, I agree with you that it was the right call in the moment. I, I agree with you that there shouldn't have been a suspension on either side of this. Um, and yeah, with Lucic, you could tell things were escalating there. And the last thing he wanted was Milan Lucic to be on the ice and be settling scores or having to be involved in some beefs in the last four minutes of hockey game. That was all but over. By the way, I hate that Mike Smith had to be pulled for the yeah. spotter just because I didn't. It wasn't one of those ones where I'd say he had he hit his head. He really got clocked. Mm-hmm. It felt more like a body check than anything else. Where it's like, I don't know, he just fell hard. And and you you watch it over and over again. You're like, what did the concussion spotter see? To see the goalie pulled, if he was you know laying there for a while, or he mm-hmm. you know struggled to get back to his feet, or whatever it was, you'd say like, okay, maybe this makes sense. I've seen way too many players get hit in the head in this series. That did not yeah. get pulled for the concussions. Go spotter. across the entire playoffs so far. Guys have been getting their bell rung and staying in the game. They have gotten smoked. Yeah. And and yet Mike Smith is the guy that needs to get pulled. He he's you know, he mentioned that he was surprised. He was like, you know, I yeah. He didn't couldn't explain it post game. But um, yeah, I, I just hate seeing that. Especially it ends a shutout yeah. too. And I know that he gave up one after he came back Still. in. But you know, the Oilers, by the way, it was really that was one of the cool and underrated parts of of game three was him enter re-entering oh, the cauldron was, in in edmonton it was like it was awesome the crowd just went absolutely bananas for him uh, zach I was thinking they would just keep him on the bench like, yeah hey look he's already out it's maybe cool down a bit koskinen's mm. in you're up four like you know you know mike smith's personality though he was coming back in that hockey game yeah and jay woodcroft was like there's no like it, there was there wasn't even a decision yeah. like smith was coming back he didn't in. even look at anyone on the bench no, he just, just like, right onto the ice koski get out of there yeah, and but an absolutely heroic performance from Miko Koskin and stepping in and keeping hey, the Oilers in the lead. Flawless. <laughs> flawless performance. He didn't even face a shot, but still, that's a flawless performance. Uh, let's get into our daily bet segment, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada, now live in Ontario. And let's jump right into it here as I look to make back a little bit of the money down a few units so far in the playoffs here. And I'm starting with this matchup at the top. I love taking overs in elimination games. You know, if it's tight, if it's 4-2, you know you're probably getting one or even two goalie pulls in that situation if the Lightning are up. And I think the Panthers' offense will find a way to at least produce something with their backs up against the wall. I'm not confident enough taking them to win this game, but I could see them realistically scoring, you know, three, maybe even four goals in this hockey. And they had a ton of chances in game three, specifically on the power play. 
there was just points where they just couldn't get a bounce to go their way. So I like taking the over six goals here. I mean, worst case scenario, in my opinion, you know, maybe you even just eke out a push here and it's like nothing happened. But I like going with the over. And then in Colorado, St. Louis, I'm looking at the player props. And I like going with a Nazem Kadri assist. This was one of my favorite bets earlier in the season when Kadri was just an assist machine. And he's hit this in three of his last five. He's got one already in the series here. And with the payout at plus 110, you compare it to some of the other big guns in Colorado, like Makar and Rantanen at minus 135. Kadri's done this fairly consistently over the last few weeks here in the postseason. So I like taking Kadri plus 110 to pick up an assist for the Avs pairing it up or just taking it as uh, my second play with the first being the over in Florida, Tampa Bay, Frank. And uh, let's wrap up this show with a little bit of garbage time. Yeah, there's been so much to be excited and happy about in the playoffs, but I'm actually sad today. Mm. I'm sad that Nazem Kadri needs an increased police presence oh. and security presence as this series goes on. We talked about the hit, how you, know, you can maybe talk about his reputation for being suspended during the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you can question whether you know that hit was intentional or not. But to get death threats, to get uh, the racial slurs that he's received in his inbox and direct messages and via social media, come on, be better. We're past this. We should be past this now. Um, Nazem Kadri has done some unbelievable work with the Hockey Diversity Alliance. He needs our support. Yeah. And this is a guy that, you know, I don't see this happening in other sports. When you know a player makes a, a play in a game in the NFL or Major League, I don't, I don't see all these same issues that pop up. Why is it that that continues to happen in our sport? We say it all the time. Hockey is for everyone. It's time that we start truly meaning it and acting like it. And I mean, you mentioned Kadri's work with the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Also one of those guys who's always doing the charity stuff, right? You think back even when his, in his time with the Leafs, always one of the guys going to the hospitals and doing that good charity work. So, I mean, no one deserves that stuff. Kadri specifically right now does not deserve that stuff. And it's a shame that, you know, May 23rd, 2022, and here we are having to bring up another racist thing happening in hockey. It's It's exhausting and it shouldn't be happening. And it's fitting that, it, it is garbage. It, that is absolutely garbage for your garbage time rant. Yeah, well said. And I, I just, this drives me absolutely bananas that that's what we're talking mm -hmm. about today. That, you know, the Blues, the NHL, everyone is on high alert for, you know, uh, yeah. what was, in my opinion, an innocent play in a game, yeah. even if it was with intent. No one deserves yeah. it anyway. All right. That's going to be a wrap for our show today. A big thanks to George Richards on the program. And we will be back once again tomorrow to uh, talk again about what I'm sure will be an eventful night in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com. In the meantime. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.